The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. We are back. I want to apologize for missing out on the, uh, the Knicks post game. I just crashed on the couch. <laughs> not not going to make up any excuse. I have no idea why. I just, I just crashed. Isaac messaged me, I think, at around 11. He's like, are you awake? <laughs> nope, I definitely was not. Just, uh, I guess my body just had it that day. So we're here. The Grizzlies win. We didn't have to talk about the Knicks loss. We will a little bit tonight. But uh, final score tonight's game, 139 to 135. In just four quarters, unbelievable, 284 points. And it wasn't overtime. Not a whole lot of defense in this one, just when they needed it. Isaac, what did you think about tonight, man? Yeah, not, not a lot of defense played in this one. Um, <laughs> but the, the Grizzlies were able to, to get a win. And uh, they, I mean, they led for most of the game, but the Minnesota went on a big run in the third quarter. So you kind of went back and forth after that. Grizzlies were able to, to, to kind of pull away in the fourth. Minnesota made another run, and Grizzlies pulled away in the end and, and got a win. And that's something that we haven't always seen with this team. Uh, a lot of times this team will get a double-digit lead, and, and they lose it and can't can't fight back. We showed a lot of resiliency tonight to come back and win this one. And again, I mean, it was a game that they they had to win, and, and they were able to do it. And that's, let's not take anything away from Minnesota at all. I mean, this team has been playing well. They haven't quit. I think they won four out of the last five. Got some big victories, back-to-back victories on the home floor with Utah. Uh, so this team has been playing well. Uh, I mean, Anthony Edwards, just a, a, a big-time game, monster game from him tonight. 42 points, 8 of 9 from 3, 17 of 22 from the field. Six rebounds, seven assists. I mean, he was on fire. And and I, I have to apologize to Anthony Edwards. I'm sure sure he's listening to this this podcast right now. But uh, I have to apologize to Anthony Edwards, man. I, I cover the Memphis Tigers as well as the Grizzlies here in Memphis. And, and I watched this guy from Press Row when Memphis played Georgia this year. And, man, I, I just didn't see him being a big-time player in the league. It just seems like the work ethic wasn't there. Uh, it seemed like he would quit on defense when he wasn't making shots. That's kind of the only time that you would see any – intensity from him and he seemed like he would check out on teammates he was kind of a ball hog and I was like man that work ethic I don't think he cares and he even came out and made some comments there uh early before the season that made a lot of people think that he didn't care either but I mean he has been fantastic and, and had his biggest game of the year tonight and I think he's going to be a big time player it wasn't wasn't just bad defense with the Grizzlies man he made some tough shots tonight oh, yeah. uh so yeah, heads off to Anthony Edwards Yep, and I I'm I was on the same boat. You know, I think we talked about him on the the show, and I I was on the same page as you. I I didn't expect him after some of the comments that he was making. I'm like, man, this guy cannot come into the league with that type of mentality and be successful. And he is definitely uh, he's having some some success at a a pretty good level. We're gonna kind of veer off of the game a little bit here, but I. The rookie of the year race, do you feel like it's an actual race here? Or do you feel like LaMelo has got it locked up? Man, uh, with, with the way Edwards has been playing lately, I think you gotta gotta throw his name in there. Uh, LaMelo had the injury, so he was out for a while. And I, I think you Eddie Edwards got some momentum during that time. And I think it's gonna be a, a lot more interesting than we thought. It looked like it was gonna be a runaway for LaMelo. But now at this point, I don't know, man. You got a guy putting up 47-point games. I mean, that's that's big time in, in your rookie season. I mean, that's not something that you're going to see see often. So I, I think I think he's going to going to have some people get some votes there and have some people 
kind of kind of think rethinking this thing a little bit. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, Lamelo missed that time, and I think that could hurt him a little bit. And I, I think Anthony Edwards has to be be right there. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be close. I still think it's Lamelo's to lose. Yeah, though. I think I, I think, think Lamelo end up winning it. You know, Lamelo came back his first game. I think he only had like eleven points. Like he was like eleven six and five. He went over twenty uh, last night. I think. Um, the but, teams are saying it's a, it's, a, it's a deal too because I mean they're going to be in the playoff play in situation. Yeah. Minnesota's kind of eliminated from that, so that that can, you got to kind of weigh that as well. So I think that that's a, a feather in Lamelo's cap for sure. Yeah, you know, I think his supporting cast is significantly better out there. Not you know not taking anything away. Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell are obviously two good pieces, but they they've had the Timberwolves have dealt with a ton of injuries this year. Both of those guys that I just mentioned have missed extended periods uh, with COVID. I think Cat had a wrist injury, and then I, I don't know what D'Lo was out for. I, I know that he was out for a pretty extended time. I don't know yeah. if it was just COVID or if it was something else, but bo- both of those guys miss a, a pretty significant amount of time. So, you know, that, that's to me, that's why Minnesota is down where they're at in the standings. I think if they're healthy all season, this team has got too much talent to have a record like what they have right now. Yeah, and I want to kind of talk about that. I know this is off off subject, but what do you what do you think about Carl Anthony Towns? He's obviously we know he's an an all star level player, awesome player, but it, it's the time that he's been in the league, he really hasn't had the success. Now I know they you could say that he probably hasn't had the supporting cast with that team, but do you think uh, he's kind of yeah. no? Kinda, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give him a uh, when he had Jimmy Butler up there with yeah. him. You can't. Look at what Jimmy Butler done in Miami. I'm not going to let him off the chain on that. Like he he's had some pretty rough teams around him, but him and Jimmy Butler didn't get along because Carl Anthony Towns has been the most talented guy on the floor his entire yeah. career, and he's got no work ethic. Yeah, and I just Jimmy think Butler is a guy that busted his, his ass. Butt. Yes, yeah, got the team to the finals last year in the bubble, and nobody saw that coming, and that was had a lot to do with the work ethic of Jimmy Butler and just his yeah. will to to kind of get that team there. And I'm just starting to think Towns, I mean, as talented as he is, might be one of those guys that just doesn't promote winning. I mean, we kind of saw that for years with Carmelo in Denver. I mean, having these good teams, and they just couldn't ever get anywhere. Yeah. And he hasn't even had that kind of success yet, having had the, the real playoff success uh, in, in Minnesota, even that some of the Denver teams had with, with Melo uh, or getting, and getting to the playoffs. So we'll see. I mean, he's still – very young in his career. I mean, he had a rough year with with his buzzer passing away. So, kind of give a, give him a pass there. But even before before then, I mean, he he's starting to just kind of get this label of a guy that puts up big numbers, but but it doesn't help your team win. Doesn't make anybody better. Yeah. And another thing with him is, I think, and I've said this before, I think he relies too much on his perimeter jump shot. I think he lets teams off the hook by not going in the paint more. Because I see times where I mean, he could just punish teams in the paint over and over, and he wants to float out and shoot these threes, not that he can't knock them down. I just think at times he, he makes it easier on teams by not playing point in the paint because he's almost unstoppable when he gets in the paint, and I think a lot of time he shots away from there a little bit too much. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, he not everybody reacts to you. You look at what Thibodeau is doing in New York this year, and he's doing a spectacular job, but not everybody reacts to that type of coaching, and it just seems like that did not go over well with Towns. Uh, you know, I don't know a whole lot about their their head coach that they have now, but I know that 
it, it was uh it was kind of a, a weird situation up there with that but we'll see i i don't think i think it's too early in his career to really kind of put that code on him to say he's not a player that that helps you win i think over the next couple of years with this roster with edwards and russell you know, Okogie is, is a good young player. Jaden McDaniels has played well this year. Jared Vanderbilt, he you know, he didn't do a whole lot against the Grizzlies tonight, but he's another guy that's had a great stretch. Nas um, Reed know. is a guy that's really impressed me. Uh, I, yeah. I watched him in college against Memphis and playing times at LSU, and every time he plays against the Grizzlies, he plays well. I mean, that guy, for a guy his size, can really knock down the three-pointer. If you leave him open, he'll punish you out there, and he is aggressive with it, too. He'll shoot threes kind of what he likes to do at 14.7 rebounds tonight another good game for him and he gave grizzlies some problems tonight on offensive boards um he's been i've been impressed with him every every time i've seen him play um and we're not gonna turn this into the minnesota timberwolves show but just kind of <laughs> points there that i that i kind of want to make but yeah i've really been impressed with dodge reed he surprised me it, it, uh, with his three-point shooting ability because you just don't think it when, when, when he shoots it he's like next thing you know you look up and you see how many he hit tonight he was two of six and he knocked down two but he He's played pretty well every time he's played against Grizzly. Yeah, yeah, and he filled in uh, pretty well for for a cat whenever he was out. Yeah, obviously not the same caliber player, but still, you know, like he is a a good backup center, and I think there are a number of teams in the league that he would start for. Oh, no doubt, no doubt about that. So let let's jump back on the uh, on the Grizzlies bandwagon here. Grayson Allen goes out with an abdominal strain. Don't know how long he's going to be out there. He's had some rough luck yeah did you yeah. see any of the uh saying was kind of talking about grayson and bain did you see kind yeah. of the back and forth with some of that on twitter tonight yeah yeah i did and i mean i, I agree with what he said wholeheartedly i mean it, it's surprising to me because you look at this this team and, and the mentality of this front office i mean they've said all year this is the developmental season and this is not to to pound on 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 Grayson or, or get on his case or anything because I I like Grayson especially he's in a slump right now and he's kind of dealt with some injuries and trying to come back from that but there was a point in the season where he was fantastic and looked like a starting level shooting guard in the NBA and he's looked like that at times it's just kind of been tough for him kind of in and out of lineup battling injuries but when you look at what this this front office said and they said that this is a developmental season and you kind of look at the guys on this roster. Uh, you have De- De'Anthony Melton and Desmond Bain, who's one of the best best rookie three-point shooters ever, one of the best in the league already, top 10 shooter in the league. And you're thinking about, okay, who's going to be on this roster going forward out of the three? And I would think that Desmond Bain, especially you look at what they paid him this summer, uh, you, Desmond Bain is, is a much better two-way player than, than Grayson, plays better defense, and also has been a better three-point shooter than, than Grayson, the best on the team uh, this season. And you just kind of think of why – wouldn't Bain and, and, and Melton be ahead of him in, him in the pecking order? It, it's strange to me. I, I can't explain it, um, and especially with the fact, again, that they paid uh, Melton this summer. You would think that the front office would kind of leave. And, and there's been this thought that the front office is kind of dictating some of the things that, that Taylor Jenkins is doing. And if that's true, it surprises me that Melton and Bain wouldn't be the guys over Grayson. Because if you think long term, if you think one of those guys is going to be gone, it's probably going to be Grayson. So do you think that they were trying to showcase him? This is a point that uh, that Sane made, or I think it was Sane. It was it was in that conversation. I'm not 100% sure, but but somebody said maybe they were trying to showcase Grayson to prove that he is indeed a rotation, at minimum, a rotation-level player 
in the NBA to package him up in a trade to send him somewhere else to get something in return. Do you think that that is maybe, you know, that's big brain stuff. Like yeah. that, that's, you know, you're, you're looking, that's giving this front office a lot of credit, I think. And, and it, but I, I say think that kind of loosely because I yeah. do, like, I believe in this front office. This yeah. is not me doubting this front office. But I think uh, Pearl on Twitter today, she's like, people are mad for no reason. This front office said this is what this season is about. They did. And then here we are not taking them at what they said. We didn't take them for their word, and they've stuck to their word the whole season. So a lot of us as Grizzlies fans are out here getting pissed. Like, we're in a playoff hunt. We're, you know, we're fighting. We're struggling. And yeah, we're you know, not I've making the best know, decisions yeah. for the I was going to say, you know, I've been on that train all year. That's been yeah. my fight all season. I, I, I think I, I wouldn't put it past them. I definitely think this front office is calculating. I don't think they do anything that doesn't have some significant purpose to it. Uh, so if that was truly the case, now we will probably never know. But I, I think that's possible because, I, again, I don't think this this front office has any wasted movement, so to speak. I think they have a plan on what, they, what they're going to do. And we, we look at all this stuff and we say it's goofy, it's weird. Why are they doing this? But I think they have their reasons. And we might not always know what they are. But, again, they've said from day one that this was going to be a developmental season. And no matter what we've seen throughout this year, with the being over being more competitive than we thought they were, being in a playoff race, they have proven that they don't care about that. If, if they end up making the playoffs, despite that, fine. But they're not going to change course with what they're doing. And I think they said that at the beginning, and they've stuck to it. Oh, we're going to know about it. You know, after the Grizzlies win a couple titles here in a few well, years, yeah. and, and we get the uh, we get the documentary. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we get a uh, Last Dance esque show, <laughs> Memphis versus everybody. Yeah, Morant, Last Dance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. So, you know, um, we're going to find out, and we'll, we'll see some behind the scenes stuff. Of uh, yeah, this is we we had this plan the entire time. I, I don't know, but man. I'm going to go back to Jawi. You, you just mentioned him. Massive game. A lot of questions for him and kind of pertaining to him in the post-game presser after his yeah, comment of being, you, you know, on TNT, being top five point guard, no doubt about it. Comes out tonight, 37, 10, four rebounds. Right? Yeah, four rebounds, four turnovers. And he said in the post game with Fisher that it was a bad game from him because he missed those two free throws late. Drew Hill followed up that after he, you know, Drew Hill asked him in the pressure, he said, Ja, you put up 37 and 10. Do you still think it's a bad game just because you missed those two free throws? And Ja was straightforward about yeah. it. He said, yeah. It was a bad game. You know, we, we played a win. I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember exactly what he said, but essentially he was saying, you know, we played a win, and if I knock down those two free throws, yeah, that seals the game. The game. Yeah. And, and he and missed I felt them. It. I, felt them, I felt them on that because, it, I mean, basically what he's saying is that if they, had, they went on to lose that game, despite him scoring 37 points, those two free throws would have cost him the game, and it wouldn't matter. And, and that's, yeah. that's a leader. I mean, that's a mature statement. To make, and I don't think he's just "quote unquote" player speak like they like would say with coach speak. I think he, from the look on his face, I think he really means that. And I, I mean, I, a lot of people have, have gotten on job for the jumping on Twitter after games, and a lot of people had some thoughts on on him getting ejected the other night when, when he was struggling and, and everything like that. But 
I, I like a lot of the things that he said, and I think he has really taken the role of being the leader on this team and, and being so young. I mean, I, I can really appreciate that. I, I appreciate the fact that it's very Jordan-esque, like to have a 37-point game and come in the press room and say, oh, well, I, I had a bad game tonight. Because, I mean, yeah. it's all about winning, and if you're the leader of the team and you miss those two free throws and you're going to lose the game, I mean, you look back on him, it's like if Josh made those two free throws, nobody remembers that he scored 37 points. They just say, Josh missed those two free throws, and that's why they lost the game. And yeah, he, we're, we're having he doesn't like that. Yeah, different completely conversation. different conversation. Not even worried mm-hmm. about the 37 points anymore. And so I, I felt him when he said that. I understand exactly what he meant, and I like it. I like the fact that the confidence, even if in reality he may not be a top-five point guard, there are times where he looks like a top-five point guard tonight. For instance, he could, he could be a top-five point guard in the league, and he might not be that technically right now. But I like the confidence that he went out and said that when somebody asked him about it, he, he just said, I, I said what I said. I, I believe in myself 100 percent. And after saying that, I have to go out and back it up. And production wise, he did. He definitely backed it up tonight. I, I don't. But coming yeah. out there, come in, I felt I felt like he was going to come out and have a big game. And, and he yeah, really, he's he a Sydney. You, you, you can argue about where he's at on in the pecking order or whatever. But at a bare minimum, he's ascending to that level. No doubt. You, you know, th- there's no, you, you can, we can have a conversation about other point guards in the game and you, you can list off five guys that are arguably better than John ja Morant, may, maybe more than five even. But at this point in his career, his second year, what he's doing, he, he's ascending to that level. And if he's not there in your eyes right now, I think that for sure in the next couple of years, he's going to be there. And, you know, to me, seeing what he's done with this Grizzlies team, being a leader as a young guy coming into the NBA from, you know, Murray State, man. Murray State yeah. is not a big college. And he, he's coming in here doing great things. So I've he's been impressive the entire time. Always does something every single night. Anytime that I talk to somebody that doesn't watch a lot of Grizzlies games, I'm like, man, watch it. Watch the games. John Morant will do at least one thing a night that will get you out of your seat. Worth the price of this, for sure. It's he, every single night in and night out, there's always one play that he makes, whether he's crossing somebody, making them look like a fool, or you know he's using his hops, putting, putting it back, or double clutching a dunk. Whatever it is, there's one play every single night where you're like, holy crap. And it's getting to be the norm so much that sometimes it doesn't even surprise me anymore. I'm like, man, there he goes again. Yeah, I mean, it, you know? yeah. When, when you see him do these amazing things, you, but like last season, you were just like going nuts about it. I mean, and it's still exciting, but now you're so used to him doing these Superman-like things, it doesn't even. It, I mean, you're just like, okay, well, that's, that's a job highlight. I mean, we see it, see it so much, and we know what he's capable of. You just kind of get used to it. But I mean, it, it's such a tremendous story. I mean. And you look at a guy like Dame, I mean, like Weber State, kind of a similar situation. I mean, Ja had no high major offers. I mean, the only reason why he ended up as Murray State was assistant coach was, was scout, scouting someone else and went went out to get nachos, I think, and, and stuck his head in the gym. And it's like, who is, who is this kid, uh, 100, 140, 150 pounds out there? And he ended up at Murray State, and the rest is history. Big NCAA tournament and ends up second pick in the draft. And man, we're glad here in Memphis that that, that we he ended up with the Memphis Grizzlies. But, I mean, it's just a – Tremendous story, and I think he's a great ambassador for this franchise, for this city, and I think just what he does on the floor. I mean, he, he struggles at times, but I mean, you got to understand that he's young. He's going to have some up and da- ups and downs, but he's had some high highs, um, and, and I think this is just 
only beginning. I don't think he's even scratching the surface. Once he, we talked about this so much, once he develops that mid-range game, I mean, he's even improved from three. Uh, the work ethic is yeah. is there. I mean, you've seen in season, this season, for how much he was struggling from three and the way he's uh, hitting threes now. I mean, even that improvement just shows you that he's willing to put in the work. And, I mean, he has an exciting future, man. I can, the sky's the limit for him. And Taylor Jenkins touched on that, uh, you know, whenever he was talking about um, the, and, and again, I apologize. I don't know who asked the question because it was asked so many different times, but you know, when, when he was asked about Ja and his statement, you know, he, he said he sets lofty goals for himself and this team and he goes out yeah. there and he puts in the work to reach those goals. So, you know, no, nothing but high praises from the coach about Ja and, and, and him saying that. And I'm, I'm completely fine with him having that level of confidence in himself saying, Hey, I'm, I'm top five right now. I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm, I have I'm, no you problem know, with it. that. Your franchise player, you want them to be confident. You don't want a guy that's like, Oh, well, you know, may, may, maybe, maybe I'm a top five. May, no, you know, I want him to be that confident guy to be a leader of a team. And I think to take a team to the next level, you have to have a guy with that type of confidence. Another big thing tonight, and, and we'll move on from Ja eventually here. Kendrick Perkins, the the national media is watching. <laughs> you know, Kendrick Perkins tweeting out yeah, about Ja. He loves you know, the Grizzlies, and it's it's great because we have not seen this before. As Grizzlies fans, we have not got this type of national publicity. You know, you're not seeing Marcus Saul wasn't getting it, and Conley wasn't. Getting, you, you, there was there hasn't been a player on this Grizzlies roster since they've been in Memphis that's gotten this type of coverage. And it's great. It's great for the city. It's great for Ja that he doesn't have to, you know, he is going above and beyond, but he's getting the recognition for it. He's not out here working his butt off, doing great things night in and night out and not getting the recognition. So I, I was very happy to see that Kendrick Perkins was, you know, tweeting out, right after the game about the 37 and 10 night. Yeah. Last night on TNT, even before Candace Parker, she didn't even know job was going to be on there. And they were talking about the play in and playoffs. And, and she said the team that she felt like that wasn't getting the recognition was the Memphis Grizzlies. And she was like, this guy that couldn't, couldn't even, couldn't, couldn't even bench press 115 pounds. And then John yeah. popped up on there. That was, thought that was funny. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the national media is recognizing this. And like you said, that we've never had a player here, like that, that I, I mean, there, there were there were what you call the, the the NBA Twitter nerds that like the grit and grind Grizzlies, and we of course love them here in the area here in Memphis. But outside of that, they just really never got that recognition. And I think Ja is a, a type of player that can that's going to transcend that and, and take this franchise to another level. And I think Jared, when he gets back, I think he has that kind of personality to be a, a face of this team as well. I think this team could have two faces. I mean, Jared is a fun guy that that I think everybody will love. And I think it's the type of guy that could get national, bring national exposure as well. So, I mean, it, it's fun. And again, we've never had this, even though we've had team, our team that went to the Western conference finals, they never had the, the kind of, of good, didn't get like, the respect, man. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. They didn't just, get it. Yeah. They just never had this kind of publicity that they have right now. And um, again, I mean, I think that's fun, especially when you're in a small market uh, to have a, a guy like this. I mean, you just look at the jersey sales thing. Ja was top twenty in jersey sales last year. I mean, that's crazy for for a Memphis Grizzly player. We've never never seen anything like that, bro. I, I realize, and and I think I've said this on the show before, but I, I'll say it every opportunity that I get. When I realized the moment, I realized 
the impact that John ja Morant was having on the league. I went to a game in New Orleans December of the year that he got drafted. We were at New Orleans, and the Grizzlies were not playing. It was the Rockets and the Pelicans. There was a kid in there wearing a Ja Morant jersey. Couldn't believe it, man. Yeah, Rock, Rockets and the Pelicans, and there was a Ja Morant jersey in there. You know, like I... I don't even remember what I was just wearing, like a t-shirt or whatever. But like, if I would have been wearing any team stuff, I would have been rocking something representing the Grizzlies. But I go in there and I had a double take. I'm like, holy crap, that kid is wearing a jaw jersey in here. So, you know, you watch these national, or, you know, you watch these games when they're on the road and you'll see a lot of different people. A lot of people are actually wearing jaw stuff. He is bringing people to the games just to see him. And it's incredible. I, I cannot wait to, uh, to, I'm just going to enjoy this ride. Honestly, man, it's, we, we are in a great spot as fans to have him on this team and, and just enjoy every stinking second of it. Yeah. And Pete Brevin, of course, they're not traveling with the team this year, but all last year, they were talking about everywhere they went, they would see kids in, in job and rent jerseys everywhere. Uh, and that's just, not something that you've seen with this franchise before. I mean, we love these guys, Marcus Saul, Mike Conley, Zach Randolph, Tony Allen. We love these guys here in Memphis, but outside of Memphis, they just weren't creating that type of buzz. So it's fun to have a, a young budding superstar like we have here in Memphis. And when you see performances like tonight, it just just gets you ready for, for what we could be seeing in the future, man. I, again, the sky is the limit. And not only that, I mean, he's one of the most exciting players in the league. For some of the things that he could do out there, uh, for, for a guy his size, it's, it's just amazing. Um, and, and it's fun to watch. And again, like you said earlier, every time you step into an arena when the Grizzlies are playing, Jaws going to probably give you at least one play where, where you're just going to be mouth dropped. I mean, that's what you got to get from him, man. So it, it, it's fun. And I'm glad we got the opportunity here to cover it. JV got in a little bit of foul trouble tonight. He only played uh, 20 minutes, nine points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals. And I mentioned that just to gas up the rookies, man. Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman came in. Tillman played 28 minutes tonight, five for nine from the field. He had 11 points, nine rebounds, three assists, and a block. Him and Desmond Bain, it still blows my mind how late the Grizzlies got them in the draft, man. It's amazing, that, man. Desmond Bain well, tied career high, 22 points, eight for 14 from the field, four for nine from three, had some great like just going to the basket he can do it all and, and watching film on him before the draft i knew that you, you know you go back and you watch his uh tcu games you're gonna see what he can do yeah I mean, he's catching lobs and, and doing all kind of stuff and we, we talked about that here uh even before the draft uh and you asked me who would be my dream scenario if the Grizz could, could trade up with anything and realistic, we weren't talking about trading up into the lottery or anything. Right. And that was the guy that I picked. And a lot of people were sleeping on him, even after the Grizzlies drafted him. And they were saying, well, he's just a spot up three point shooter. And I'm not sure what, how his game's going to translate. He has short arms, blah, blah, blah. And now we look at him. He's a, can do a lot more than just shoot threes. I mean, we've seen him. I mean, he, he's played really good defense at time. I mean, he can slash or he can take it to the basket. And again, I mean, his three point shot is just, Amazing. I mean, and again, I mean, you just wanted him to shoot it more. Now, tonight, uh, what was he, four of nine from three? So he got up nine tonight. I think I told somebody on Twitter that I wouldn't mind him shooting 10 or 11 a game. I mean, let it fly. 
when he gets the good looks, I mean, that's how good of a shooter this, he is. And this team has been looking for three-point shooting forever. So it's kind of uh, surreal to have a guy like this. Joe Melanex tweeted out how crazy it is to have this guy on the team. And I was like, it's, it's weird because we haven't had a guy probably since Mike Miller where they put up a three and you felt like it was going in almost every time he shot it. And that's what we have in Desmond Bain. And I kind of asked uh, Desmond about this after the game, about that bench shooting and how important it's been for them to come in and, and kind of give a boost to that to the starters throughout the year because they, they really gave a boost to this team. And he said that, it, that it's big. I mean, that they come out and try to change the pace and, and, and try to really have an impact on the game. And they did tonight, outscoring the Timberwolves bench 55 to 35. Yeah, just man, I don't know. I'm at a loss for words with him. I know that there are some. There have been some Mavs fans. I follow quite a few different Mavs fans, and there's been a lot of discussion about them being pissed because when Rick Carlisle talks about them drafting Josh Green, and that you know, well, why did you take him? And and they will quote what Rick Carlisle said while they're praising Desmond Bain. And they're like, I don't want to hear another word (laughs) about Josh green until he goes out there and has one game like Desmond Bain has been having an entire season. So, you know, I don't know that Josh green has played many minutes at all for the, uh, for the Mavericks. I don't watch a ton of their games, but just being a fantasy guy and being in deeper leagues, I don't, I, I've I've not had him anywhere. I've not even looked at him anywhere. And I'm in some, you know, 24 man leagues and in those leagues you get pretty deep in the benches. So, you know, he he's not I'm actually going to pull up his stats. But you know, there were a lot of people like you said sleeping on Desmond Bain and the majority of the reason the only thing that I could think of was the negative wingspan. That's it. That I there was nothing else in his game. That I saw coming in, that that would turn me away from him. I mean, even when you look at the Celtics, I know the Celtics are kicking themselves. They took Naismith earlier in the draft and and, and traded that pick to to Memphis to, to take Bain. I mean, that's that's rough, man. <laughs> Looking back at it, and that's not to take anything from Naismith. He's had some some good games this year as well, but he hasn't been consistently what what Desmond Bain has been and. I would put this front office when it comes to drafting. And I, I've questioned some of the things they've done in, in some other areas, but when it comes to drafting, I, I'd put them up against anybody. I mean, it's just home run after home run with what they had to work with. Uh, I mean, of course, you you take job, but it, I mean, you have Desmond Bain, you have BC, you have Xavier Tillman, which is just an absolute gem for where they got him. I mean, the guy wasn't even even expected to get drafted, and and now if you kind of look back at that draft, him and Desmond Bain would probably both go to the top 15 picks and that's crazy to get a guy at 30 and, and get a guy at I can't remember where Bain, Bain went it was like 42 or somewhere in that range somewhere like that I mean that's just uh, amazing uh, Tillman yeah I mean that's just that's just amazing to have two guys that you get one guy at the bottom of the first round and a, and a guy a little bit into the second round that you look back on the same year I mean there's time where yeah. where you have a, a team get one guy like that but to do that twice and then a year before that you end up making the trade uh, to get BC, uh, I mean that's you don't you're just not going to see that a team to do that that many times. So I mean I, I'm th- starting to think now it's not a mistake, and this team knows what they're doing when they find these guys. These these are not just throwing darts at the wall. I mean these guys just know how to draft. Yeah, X was uh, 35. 35. I, I didn't know that off the higher. top of my head, 
but I, I just ha- I looked up the the draft to see where the Mavericks took Josh Green, and and they took him at eighteen. And you know, <laughs> Man. A, a lot of times fans, you know, we, we will we'll be on the boat with the guys on our team, but you know, like they're crapping on Josh Green. These Mavs fans are, are crapping on Josh Green. I mean, like, man, would it have been a bad idea to take Desmond Bain at 18? Man, definitely not. If he was on the Mavericks roster doing this same type of thing, I can't imagine how many good looks he would get. You know, Luke is a, a, a pretty good playmaker himself, and, and that's, you know, not. I'm not saying – like Bain would have been in a good situation either way, honestly. You know, he's got John Morant getting him the ball here in Memphis. If he would have went to Dallas at 18, he would have had Luca getting him the ball to get open shots. I don't know that he would have seen that much playing time as much as he has here in Memphis as he would down there. But still, I, I'm happy to have him. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I can't believe that this front office is, is just like homer after homer, dude. They, they just don't miss. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking back at the the top ten of this draft. I mean, of course, you got Anthony Edwards at the top, Jason Wiseman, Lamelo Ball, but then you got you got guys like Patrick Williams, Obi Toppin, uh, then you got DJ, uh, Isaac Okoro, Kira Lewis. I mean, uh, Devin Vassell in, in San Antonio. I mean, you look at these guys, and I don't think it's a, a home run. I mean, you might think, okay, well, these guys possibly have a higher ceiling than than Desmond Bain right now, but I mean, right now, I think I would take Desmond Dane out. A lot of these guys are one of the top ten. And that's that's crazy, crazy to get a guy at 30 where you can say that. Even Xavier Tillman is, is better than, so I think, some of those guys that I named, the guys that aren't even playing right now. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it, Jalen Smith didn't really see in the floor in Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jalen Smith. Uh, Obi Toppin's been better as, as of late. Yeah, he has I mean, been better. He has seen, been better. Like, t- I was a big fan of his. He is bad, bad with rookies, man. We, we're getting yeah. all off track tonight. We're talking about every team. Yeah, man. It's, it's, this, it's, it's a Grizzlies podcast. Yeah, it's not a Grizzlies podcast. Yeah, it's not a Grizzlies podcast. We're talking 2020 draft. I mean, we got, got yeah. everything going on tonight. But, uh, yeah, but, I mean, but Obi Toppin, good, man. I, I was going to say, Obi Toppin, I was a big fan of his coming out. Uh, he's kind of been kind of disappointing me. I thought he was going to be a, a sleeper in his draft. Now, that's still – a possibility. I think he's going to be a good player, but yeah, yeah, he, he, I, I agree with you. I actually, I've, I've got it. I messaged somebody. I was messaging about uh, Toppin, and I actually thought that he would be in the race for rookie of the year. Yeah, and so I forgot I. about Tibbs going there, and then I'm like, nah, he's a rookie, man. He's not going to be in the race <laughs> because Thibodeau just hates rookies. He has to, like, you have to earn your spot. And if you're a rookie with Tibbs, you better be blowing him away or you're not going to see the floor. And that's what's happened with, with Toppin. And on top of that, you know, uh, Julius Randle's having incredible season. Incredible season. Should be in the MVP talks. He is probably going to win the most improved player, but he should get more MVP talk than, than what he's getting with what he's doing in New York. And especially after the record they had, Last year, end of this year, I, I think Tibbs has got to be in the conversation for Coach of the Year. Oh yeah, uh, no doubt about that. I think he's right up there at the top uh, for for sure. I, I mean, I would have even even though I, I've kind of had some some negative thoughts on, on Taylor Jenkins of late. I think with with the drop off the Grizzlies had, I, I don't think anymore. But if you had asked me a couple weeks ago, especially if at that point where they had knocked out the Blazers two times in a row, if they had jumped up and got the six or seven seed, I, I think. Taylor, you would have had to put Taylor Jenkins in there, even 
though he has gotten criticized, which everybody, every fan base is always on Michael manager, Michael analyzed things. I mean, the late late game execution hasn't always been there. But when you take a step back, I mean, you have to give him some credit. I mean, you you don't have your the second cornerstone piece on a team that wasn't even supposed to do much this year uh, in Jared Jackson Jr. out all year. And they've had guys a bit of a revolving door as far as injuries with this team, guys in and out. You have to give him some credit despite some negative things that you could say about him. You've you got to give him credit for holding this thing together. This team is pretty much a lock for the play-in right now. And coming into the season even healthy, there would have been a lot of people, especially nationally, that would have told you even healthy this team might not be in the play-in. I mean, I saw people picking this team to be 11, 12 in the West going into the season. And, and that, I mean, that was even thinking that probably Jeremy was going to be back much sooner than he was. So you got to give him a lot of credit there. So I think he would have been in that conversation as well uh, a couple of weeks ago now. Late As of late, he, he probably with their play and, and, and they kind of struggled here of late, they might have dropped out of conversation. But in, on that vein, he's done a really good job this year. Yeah, and closing games is still an issue. They, they didn't close this game well tonight. No, they, Did they, they close it? Well enough to get the win, yeah, they did. And Jenkins, he kind of alluded to that in the in the post game presser. He said we made just enough stops and just enough plays on the offensive end to come away with the win. Just enough. He he knows that they they probably should have beat this team by significantly more than yeah. than four points. Because I mean they had a thirteen point lead in the third quarter and it went away like that. I mean you looked up and next thing you knew Minnesota was up by four. Uh, but I do get them. The, credit for the resiliency they showed because again at times i mean we've seen this team have a double digit lead and next thing you know the team the other teams lead and they just never look back the grizzlies completely fold uh now minnesota kept fighting the grizzlies kept fighting back like taylor jenkins said in the presser they made the plays they need to make down the stretch and that's something that they haven't always done but this team has had struggle struggles closing games all year i mean that's just kind of been their mo and you almost expect it now even they could be up by 20 in the third quarter and I, I never feel like a lead is safe with this team. That's just kind of kind of MO. Yeah. You mean they they could be up 17 with I mean, because I think that Portland game, they were up like that second Portland game, I can't even remember, like 14 with maybe five minutes to go or something, six minutes to go. And next thing you know, it was a three-point game. And I'm like, what is going on? This team, like no other team would would do this. But that that's kind of been what what they're doing. I mean, I guess that comes with a young team. And again, Taylor Jenkins is growing along with this team. I mean, a, a extremely young coach. I mean, they'll learn. I mean, you got to take your lumps at some point. And I think with this team overachieving, I think at times we've kind of forget that and, and we kind of have these expectations. And maybe they're a little bit too high. Rob Fisher was on local radio station here this morning, um, and he was just kind of saying that he's kind of taking a step back and that that we've been upset as fans and people who cover the team, but maybe they're just a 500 team. He says maybe that's just what they are. We see them win the two games like, against Portland, you're thinking, oh, well, this is this is going to be it. They're going to win like eight, nine games in a row. They're going to end up sixth, and we're going to do all this stuff, and then they lose two. They win another one, and, I mean, you you just that's just kind of what they do. No matter how high things look at any point, it just always seems like they win two games at some point that you, that you didn't expect them to win. Shortly after then, they're probably going to lose two that you didn't expect them to win, and that's that you did expect them to win. That's just kind of kind of what they do, and he say he's kind of taking that thought of it. Now, I don't think that's absolutely fair because – I don't 100% agree with him because I think at times this team has had games where they just didn't have the focus, and I don't think that's being a 500 team. I think that's just not having focus and thinking sure enough, think you can just show up and win certain games and just not having it. And I, so I, I think this I think this team should be 
it is, it's hard to say this because they're super young and you have a young coaching staff. I really think this team should probably have five or six more wins right now and probably be in 60. I mean, they've blown a lot of close games this year, so I don't 100% agree with them. I think there is some truth there, but that's kind of what Rob Fisher said his thoughts are on it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, closing closing is tough, and I think if you want to look back in, in recent history, a team that was expected to do something that struggled, and closing, even with their roster, closing was something that they struggled with because they were trying to figure it out. When LeBron joined Bosch and Wade in Miami that first year, they couldn't figure out who was going to close, and so they struggled. They did not win the title that year, because of closing. Once they figure that out, they went on to win titles. But we have we as fans, we've got to understand. Yeah, we know what they need to do to close the game. But just because we know what they need to do and they know what they need to do doesn't mean that they're in a spot where they can do that right now. It's the youngest team in the league. And it's easy to forget that because of how well they play. Again, like you said, the, the two Portland games the games against Denver minus the the second uh, the second road game in that big trip, the games against Milwaukee, all of these good teams that they're playing against and they're playing well against, we see that, but we lose sight of the fact that hey, it's the youngest team in the NBA. There's still things that they need to work out, and so you know, closing games is the hardest part of it. Yeah, it's not I mean, a I surprise think- that a young team is having trouble closing out games. Yeah, I think that's probably the last step of, of, of a young team. That's that's the step. That once you learn how to close games, that's when you kind of take things to that next level. And, and again, I think that's just kind of what we're seeing. I mean, we get upset because we've seen what this team can do and we've seen this team, quote-unquote, overachieve at times. So you kind of expect more. But when you take a step back, you got to realize they are a young team. And I mean, and that's and they're going to have be some growing pains. And some nights they're going to do – some things you don't expect them to do, and then other nights we're going to see them struggling. That's just kind of kind of what we see. But uh, heavy minutes for John tonight, 37 minutes tonight. They are on, on the first first half of back-to-back. They're going to travel tonight to Detroit and play the Pistons tomorrow night. Uh, the Pistons team who is – half of their team is out. And, and we've, don't, we've been don't here before. Don't say it, man. We've, we've been here before, it. man. We've don't. been here before. <laughs> uh, <No>. My man <laughs> my man, Amar, my man Amar Sankofa, uh former – uh, beat writer for the Grizzlies for the Athletic now back in his hometown of Detroit covering the Pistons. He put out the injury report, man. It's crazy, man. Hamadou Diallo's out with personal reasons. Wayne Ellington's out. Uh, bilateral calf strain. Uh, Jeremy Josh, Grant's Josh out. Jackson's out. Yeah, right knee yeah. soreness. Josh Jackson with right tooth oil surgery. That's kind of an interesting one. Uh, Corey Joseph is out with left ankle. Uh, Rodney McGruger is out, right elbow. Mason Plumlee's out for rest. And Dennis Smith right. Jr. is out for left knee. It's so, a trap. Yeah, it's a trap. I mean, we, we've seen it. We've seen this a million times with this team. Um, and you think, oh, well, man, this is a good spot. You, you're thinking, okay, well, Jaron rests on the front end. We're going to have him back tomorrow night. Everything's going to be good. And then doing these games, expecting that, and it turn, doesn't turn out that way. Hopefully, they they do something different tomorrow night. Hopefully, they go away from their MO and they win a game. Because, I mean, they, they've had these opportunities, and they've blown them. And tomorrow is a game that they really have they, to win. Even even if they were in, at full strength, it was a game that they have to win. They have to take care of business tomorrow night. I mean, they can't afford to lose this. Yeah. They did get a little bit of help tonight when the Utah Jazz knocked off 
San Antonio for the second night in a row. So I think they're two games ahead of them and technically three games because they have the tiebreaker. So I think they're I think they're good there. I think Golden State is the team that you're that you're really worried about at this point. And don't sleep on this Detroit team, even with all of those injuries, all of the like Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, and Isaiah Stewart, all rookies, have been playing phenomenal in the second yeah, I half love of the Sadiq season. Bay. Hey, Hayes had missed some time. He came back off the injury. Those guys are good. I was on a um, I was on a YouTube uh, show with with another guy here at Hootball, and we were talking about closing the the end of the fantasy season. And he said he feels like the Detroit coaching staff kind of maybe doesn't play those guys so many minutes because they're in the games. They're in every single game when all three of those guys are playing. They're in the games. So I hope that we do not see a repeat of what has happened multiple times this year and then go into this game and be like, Oh, they're missing everybody. We're just going to walk in here and win because we've seen it happen. The Clippers team, they thought they should just walk in there and win and they got punched in the mouth. Some of these other teams that they've lost to, you know, the the Knicks, the first Knicks game in Madison square garden, they should have won that game. They choked it away. They couldn't close the game. You've got to take this game seriously. Brandon Clark said tonight was a must-win game. Tomorrow night's the same way. Same way, yeah. They cannot afford to go into a game and take any – they can't take nights off. They can't afford it at this point in the season. We're counting down the days here. Final game of the season is against Golden State on the 15th of this month. Which so you just know, I was gonna say, well, you you just know that game's gonna come down for for the AT. I mean, somehow, yeah. some way. I hope it doesn't. I hope I hope the Grizzlies have the thing locked up. But there's no way for that's just destiny that that game comes down to the AT. I kind of wish it was in Memphis, but when you say that, the Grizzlies have been been better on the road. I think if you gave me yeah. a choice, I'd still prefer to be here. But that's they, that's what they've done, and I think we'll we'll see how that one plays out. You just go back to that that first game, that the back to back Warriors series here. And with all those guys out, we we just talked about that. You win that game, and you'd already have the tiebreaker. And now you possibly have to go in last game of the season uh, in in San Francisco and, and try to win a tough game. And you could have could have had to close out. That's just kind of goes and tops off what we were just talking about. Yeah, they could very well be playing. You know, the last they play the last three games back to back to back. They play the Kings at home twice Thursday, Friday, and then they fly out to San Francisco to play the Warriors on Saturday, all three of those games could be playoff style games for the Grizzlies, depending on what they do with these next few. You've got this Pistons game. After that, you've got Toronto, the Pelicans, who for whatever reason are a unicorn for the Grizzlies. And then you have Dallas again, and Dallas doesn't want any part of this play in. They're not taking that game off. They're not going to be resting guys. So you're probably going to have Dallas at full strength. I know uh, Porzingis is kind of dealing with some stuff. I I haven't even looked at one of their games to see if he's been playing or not. Do you know? No, if I think he's, he's back. Still, I, or, I think he. I think he's still out. Let me let me check on this real quick. But but even without Porzingis, they still have to. That's still a tough game for them. Yeah, right? he's still out. He didn't play. He didn't play in Miami in their last game. So. They could think he's still out. Yeah, they may rest him uh, up until playoff time, just so he's healthy whenever they do get there. But still, that that you, that's not going to be none. None of these games remaining on their schedule are going to be easy games. None of them. You got uh, Sacramento, the two games Thursday, Friday. 
And that's a, they lost Halliburton. They shut him down for the year with a knee injury. It, it, they said no ligament damage with that, which is good. He's been phenomenal getting drafted 12. The Kings got a steal there. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, but, but none of these games, you have this game right here against the Piston. You've got to win this game because there's no easier game out of all of the rest of the games you have for the remainder of the season. There's not a game on your schedule that's easier than this one. And no game is easy because it's the NBA. You still got to go out there and play it, but they've got to take this one serious. Yeah, you just looking at the, the Warriors' schedule. They're finishing the season on a six-game homestand. I mean, they got some tough games over there. They have a, a set coming up on Thursday night with the Thunder. They play the Thunder again on, on Saturday. Um, and then they have Utah, which is a tough one. The Suns, those are tough one. The Pelicans, and they finish with the Grizzlies. All six of those games are going to be in, in San Francisco. Uh, so that's a weird kind of schedule quirk. I don't know how that worked out. I don't know if I've ever seen a team finish the season on a six-game homestand, but that's just kind of – how it worked out, but they got some tough games there. I mean, you got the Jazz coming in, the Suns coming in there. I mean, the Grizzlies, of course, that's going to be a, a big game. So, I mean, it's not like they're, they're playing gimmies, but, I mean, they have the comfort of being at home for uh, about two weeks almost. So that's they're probably yeah. going to be feeling good. So the Grizzlies need to to take care of business um, in, in these games. And like you said, tomorrow night is probably the easiest game remaining on the schedule. I mean, you you think the Pelicans would be an easy game, but we we know that the Pelicans had the Grizzlies number. They can't do much against anybody else, but they turn into the 96 Bulls every time they play against the Grizzlies. So that's that, that's what I hope they finally get off the snide. You're going to that game, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll be at the Pelicans game. And, you know, I, I've been terrible luck for the Grizzlies this year. They've not won whenever, whenever I've been at the Forum, which is, is not saying much because they've not been good at home anyway all year. Yeah. Um, I actually told there's um that one of the ushers, I told her last time whenever we walked in, I'm like, if they lose tonight, I'm not coming back. <laughs> and she said, what? And I'm like, they hadn't won at all when I've been here. If they lose tonight, I'm not coming back till next season. She's like, oh, I thought you meant you weren't going to renew your tickets. I'm like, oh, they already got my money. My tickets are renewed for next season. Yeah. But uh, so she's probably going to razz me a little bit whenever I show up for that Pelicans game on Monday. <laughs> they, they did end up losing as I was walking out the door. She's like, it's all your fault. And I'm like, gee, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. But this, this is a little bit off, off subject again, but I kind of want to get your thoughts on on this, man. What, what did you think about LeBron's comments on, on the play-in saying whoever came up with that needs to get fired? But if you remember, right, if you go back man. to last season during the play-in or during, during, right before the playoffs, he was pro to play-in. I mean, he was for – the, the, the play in last season, and now he's talking to get to like now that the Lakers are possibly could find themselves in it. Now he's not a fan of it. What, what are you kind of your thoughts on, on LeBron's comments? Short and sweet. My opinion is exactly the same as Sharon Brown. Sharon Brown tweeted out, It's not a problem until your ass is in it. Yeah. <laughs> that, right, that's great all this boils down <laughs> great to. Quote. It, it wasn't a problem when, like, it, it was a problem for Dallas when they were in it. Yeah, now all of a sudden, now, now they don't have anything to say about it. You didn't hear nothing. You didn't hear <laughs> shit from LeBron or the Lakers or nothing. And now they've been getting thumped because they're not healthy. And now they're at risk of being in that play-in. Yeah, I, I so think they're going to end up problem. in it. I think it's they're going to end up in it. It boils down to LeBron doesn't want to have to play the extra games to get in 
because it's been a rough season for him. He wants to be rested and ready to go for the playoffs after missing all of this time. And right now it's looking like he might not get to do that. So it's an inconvenience and he's going to make it known that he doesn't like it. When in, in reality, if they weren't at risk of falling into the play-in, he would have never said anything about no, it. No, he would have any comments on it. Dude. You're 100% right. I mean, that's it's kind of how this works. And I, I can't remember, it was a national writer uh, that put out a tweet the other day basically saying that if the Lakers ended up in the play-in, uh, the Lakers ended up in the play-in uh, on one side. And, yeah, it was Jay Adonai. It was Jay Adonai. You're right. And Boston ended up in the play-in in the East, and they somehow ended up not making the playoffs that the – NBA the heads would turn and that they would get rid of the play in. And 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 I, and, I, and I read the quote tweeted it and said that he's probably 100% correct that that probably would be the case if that happens but that just shows you kind of the the bias that there is because I mean there's no problem with the Grizzlies and and teams like that uh, being in the play in or Charlotte teams like that nobody cares yeah. but if the Lakers or Celtics end up in there then it's a different different conversation and I think that just kind of Show you the bias uh, of in, in the in the uphill battle that you have when you're in a small market team. Right? It kind of goes back to even what LeBron said. Nobody cares until you're your media darling or, or the teams that that people yeah. big market teams are in it. Then it then it's a different situation. So I, I wouldn't. I don't really want to see the Lakers in it because I think if they get healthy, Grizzlies end up eight. You might have to play the Lakers in the seat. I don't want. I don't really want that. But then for for satisfaction purposes, that I, I would like to see a minute just because I mean. How how much theater would that be for the Lakers to be in a play and they end up in a position where they couldn't make the playoffs? I mean, that would be absolutely awesome. Yeah, it's uh, – I'll be honest with you. I don't want them to be in it for the – like the, the main reason I do not want them to be in it is if something happened and they did lose that game, they didn't make the playoffs, <laughs> it, it would be just venom. <laughs> straight venom dude you, and no i don't want to deal with that i, I mean you hear all hear day I, long that's all uh, you would hear all the down through we, we got to get rid of yeah. play in it's stupid we can, you how can, can't believe this espn <laughs> man you couldn't I, watch it man fox 4 could, couldn't watch any sports channels at all bro none because it would be straight venom all the lakers got bouncing to play in <laughs> Nah, they they got to rework it. And, uh, we <laughs> yeah, were saying this hear. last year when the Grizzlies were getting shit on. Yeah, you know, but it didn't matter when it when it was the Grizzlies. It don't matter. But when it's LeBron James, oh yeah, no, nah, we can't do that. And I love LeBron, love it. One of, one of my favorite players. But no, nah, man, it, it is just it's an inconvenience for you. You don't want to play in it as long as you're not playing in it. It's fine. You don't care that the, these other teams have to play the extra games as long as you're not having to play the extra games. Yeah, when the game's necessary not to be there, and you wouldn't have to deal with it. Yeah, that, that's a tough situation uh, that, that that they're in because I don't think LeBron is anywhere near 100%. I mean, he even went as far as to say that he doesn't know if he'd ever be 100% again. So that it must be a pretty tough injury. If he's saying that, I mean, because I know LeBron and what he's willing to play through, the fact that he's sitting out more games and even saying that, basically that he's unsure of what's going to happen, that lets me know that that ankle is still a problem for him and that it's probably not going to be right the rest of this year. So that's going to be something to watch. I, but look at that, the way the rest of this season plays out. I, I think they're going to end up in a play. And they have a tough schedule, and especially if LeBron has to sit out these games. I don't see any way that they don't. With the way Portland yeah. is playing right now, I mean, they're Mate. just absolutely on fire. One, 141-105 over the Cavaliers tonight. They've just been on absolute tear since – 
the Grizzlies beat them in those two games, and I, they don't seem to be looking back. I guess it's Dame, Dame, Dame time. time. We saw that. We saw yep. that in the bubble last year, and it looks like they're doing the same thing at the end of this year. It's man, yeah. I, I'm. I hope they don't. I. I think that you're right. They took it. The Lakers took another punch too. Schroeder is in health and safety protocols. Yeah, that's right. So, so he's out. I don't know if they're going to get him back for the remainder of the season. They may get him back for the last couple of days. But when you're when you're missing LeBron and Schroeder, you, you don't have a, a playmaker on that team. You know, Anthony Davis is a great player. But he can't run the point guard position. When you're missing LeBron and Schroeder, you got Caruso. Yeah, who else, I mean, is, who else is running your like? And, and he's played well for him with, with these guys out. But that that's not against a high quality team. Caruso's not going to cut it, man. He's a bench player. Is he a rotation guy? Yeah, he is. But that's all he is. He's not a, a superstar. He's not this, you know. Messiah of basketball that NBA Twitter makes him out to be, and they're going to get exposed. We'll see what Anthony Davis. This is, dude, Mark Gasol. Never mind. I'm not even going to go down that road. <laughs> that 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 right. That whole situation just pisses me off because right now in the situation that they're in, he can help them win ball games. One hundred percent. They're not playing him. They're not 100%. playing him, dude. It's it's annoying. Just just cut him. I you know if he has a chance to win another title, I hope he does. I hope that they win a title because I would love to see Mark get another one. But that team, they don't deserve it, man. That's I've said that. Maybe said maybe they're weeks. saving him to be healthy for the playoff run because they realize that they're going to need him for that because they will. But. He, he could be helping them right now. They're not playing him. I, I want to give a shot. BC played well tonight. Double double for him. It was good really to well. see him come back and and you know in, in the post game he said he was just he was happy to be a part of this team and to be out there and be contributing. So you know for him having those uh, the DMP coach's decision, I got to eat crow on that one because I said it wasn't going to happen and it did. Surprise the heck out of me. Never would have thought in a thousand years that we would have seen. Uh, um, Jenkins bench BC and play Tillman, and he did. Yep. So you know, kudos to uh, BC for staying ready. That that's uh, the going thing around here. Stay ready because you never know when they're going to need you. And with injuries and different stuff like that, these guys are staying ready. So hopefully, this is the the start to him bouncing back, and we get the the year one version of Brandon for the rest of the season. Yeah, big game for X as well. Uh, Eleven points, nine rebounds. Three assists, a block, five of nine from the field, knocked down a three um, in 28 minutes. He had a big game as well, big game for him and BC off the bench. I mean, that's 23 points off the bench right there. You add in Baines, uh, 22 points, Melton, eight. Uh, Tyus Jones only played 13 minutes, two points, a rebound, four. It got ahead of four assists in those 13 minutes, so yeah. that's not that's not bad at all. But, uh, again, yeah, I mean, uh, not many times where you get to see XN. BC in a rotation. Grayson uh, Allen going down kind of allowed you to see that tonight, so I was – not not happy to see Grayson go down, but I was happy to see that BC and X were able to both be productive off the bench in the same game. And again, I agree with you. I didn't ever think we'd see a DNP CD from from BC, but uh, but he did. Uh, gave gave Tillman that run, and we kind of talked about that. It just felt like Tillman was playing better, and uh, I guess Coach Taylor Jenkins, Taylor Jenkins agreed with us on that and um, allowed X to get those minutes. But again, good to see them playing both both well tonight. Two big big games for both of them off the bench, but. Uh, you this Lakers schedule is brutal. I just pulled it up. 
uh, to finish the season there at the Clippers on Thursday at Portland. Suns, Knicks, Rockets is easy one at the Pacers, at the Pelicans. That's how how they finish. I mean, that's a rough, rough schedule. So again, yeah. I, I find it. I don't. I don't see any way that that game again at Friday, uh, an ESPN game, 9 p.m. at Portland. That's going to be a big one. And LeBron's not playing in that game. I, I don't see them beating Portland right now. They had a big win at home against Denver uh, without LeBron, but. Again, man, brutal schedule, and the Portland's right there. Breathing down their necks, man, I think it's going to be tough for them to to kind of stay above above that line, and I think they're going to end up in the play which, again, I, I don't want to see because if they did lose in that situation, again, we would never hear the end of that. They'd be talking about it all summer. That's all you would hear on the on, on, on the TV uh, for the talking heads. Man. We, they got to change it. Can't do this anymore. You can't have the Lakers out of the playoffs. And, again, man, so that's that is what it is, and that's just kind of – kind of where we live in man if that's what happened that's definitely how it would turn out yep man we uh we're running long tonight we, we've covered a bunch of stuff man, all over the map man tonight yeah. um i, I want to talk about this one last thing and then we can get out of here john morant with the 37 and 10 tonight that's his fifth 30 point 10 assist game he leads the franchise franchise record fifth 30 and 10 game Nobody else has more than two, and this is just the beginning. Year two, and didn't even get a full season in the first year. It's gonna be a glorious ride. You can get. You got anything on that before I, I'm I'm signing this out here, man? Real, real, real quick, man. Just I wanna wanna run down the standings real quick. The Grizzlies are back in eight in eight spot. They're half a game up on Golden State, who's in nine. Uh, I mean, if you want to look up, I think that's. Pretty much done, but they're three and a half behind Portland for seven, uh, a half a game up on Golden State, who's in now at ninth and two full games up on 10th place San Antonio, and it would be three and a half games up on 11th place New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans still has an outside shot to make it. I, they're not out of it. I'm hoping that uh, – yeah, you know, I know that the league because of Zion would uh, probably much rather have oh, them yeah, in over the over the Spurs, but sure. um, you know, just because of the history between the recent history between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, I do not want to see them make it. I said that it's it, they're the unicorn. The Grizzlies cannot yeah, beat that I mean, team. I, I didn't realize how no both they reason. were. Yeah, yeah they no only reason. have a game and a half. I was going to say they only a game and a half behind San Antonio now. I didn't realize how close they had gotten there. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Yep, that's a. Didn't mean to cut you off there. Sorry. I kind of, I kind of written them off, and they, they've won a couple games here, and so that's uh, they're, they're it's not over till the fat lady sings, and she ain't even warming up yet. It's a lot of basketball left. <laughs> Going to be interesting going down the stretch. You guys can get the show on Twitter. We're at Hootball Grizz. I'm at Dwill two one one one. Isaac is gonna let you know where you can find him and get us out of here. Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals, man. Make sure you go over to Hoopball Grizz uh, Twitter account, man. Give us a follow. We're there. Check us out. Again, we podcast at, almost out there after, after almost every game. So make sure you check that out as well. Uh, Grizzlies will be at the Pistons tomorrow night on the back-to-back. That's a 7 p.m. start. So we'll be right back with you tomorrow night. Uh, we'll be live tweeting throughout the game. We'll be back on the post-game podcast tomorrow night. So for David, I've been Isaac Simpson, and we'll talk to you tomorrow night. Until then, go Brit. This has been a hoop ball presentation.